Hey everyone, welcome back to Pretending With Dice. As always, I'm your host and game master, AJ. Uh, this is possibly going to be the quickest intro I've ever done for one of these episodes, because for a change, I <laughs> pretty much actually have nothing to announce at all. <laughs> uh, to make this worthwhile, though, uh, I do want to just once again point folks towards our new landing page at uh, pretendingwithdice.com. Uh, it's the one place to go online for anything to do with the podcast. Uh, so yeah, check it out, share it, um, yeah. That's, that's that. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're straight into today's episode then, uh, part two of Fire of the Gods. Enjoy. Previously on Frontier. Captain's Log, Stardate 55075.1. Our progress towards Deep Space 3 has resumed following our unscheduled stop in the Zookeer system. I am holding a, uh, a medical mixer at uh, 1900 hours, and uh, as chief medical officer, I would be honored if you would attend. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Good. Commander, sensors are picking up an unknown warp signature in a neighboring star system. There shouldn't be any warp technology in that sector. There's one pre-warp civilization. Well, something about that doesn't add up. Talin to Captain Collins. Go ahead, Commander. Captain, sensors have detected a vessel in a neighbouring system. I suspect that this may be a first warp flight scenario. I request your presence on the bridge. Might I suggest we drop out of warp? Um, at a distance, Captain, and, and then approach on impulse. Then they might not get so spooked from us. Everyone uh, get to your stations and, uh, well, let's do this right. We only get one chance to make first contact. Okay, so the briefing about the Draterans over, the uh, captain and the commander lead the way back to the bridge, uh, taking their seats. Murphy would like to go to her console and do a tactical analysis of what information they have already. Mm-hmm. But about the ship that you're picking about, up? Or? About them in general, about the uh, Draterans, um, yeah. uh, what information that the science team uh, discussed about their their military like okay. tactics or anything like that. Sure. Okay. Um, I don't think I'll need a role for this really because you you know this is fairly relevant information. You're not going to need you know googling skill isn't like a, a skill. <laughs> <laughs> um, computer. So <yeah. laughs> computer. Find me everything I need and make me a coffee. Um, <laughs> essentially, what you could do really. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Just can't deliver the coffee to you. 
computer, make me a coffee and get an ensign to bring it to me. Um, Transport. <laughs> this is what Murphy's going to be known for, is just opulent displays of wasting ship's resources. No, yeah, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, no, no. So yes, you're able to bring that up on your, um, your display. Uh, essentially, although the Starfleet Science Expedition were unable to get a full historical timeline of the uh, Dratiran civilization, they were able to confirm that for the past several centuries, uh, they have been more or less kind of united as a people uh, under the leadership of their priesthood. Um, as such, there hasn't really been a need for kind of a large organized military on the planet as um, mm. large scale wars are basically kind of unheard of there. Uh, they do have weapons, however, up to the computer says an equivalent of 21st century technology levels. Um, these are basically used by a small um, elite kind of peacekeeping force, I guess you could call them, um, to kind of keep the populace in line and uh, deal with any mm. uh, any deviance from the, the priesthood's teachings and laws, which um, are generally kind of dealt with pretty harshly. Does it explain anything about like uh, specific rules of law or um, what things would maybe be classed as insulting or would uh, raise tensions between them? If like when they meet, Murphy is just trying to get an idea of what things that they that they can do to appear as um, neutral as possible when they're mm. um, establishing communications. There's, I mean, it's obviously going to be a little different than the, the sort of covert operation because the covert operation pretty much the same thing where they're like, okay, we're not going to be seen here. That's going to be a little different than openly kind of interacting with them. But yeah, I think hmm, this is a bit of a tough question really because sort of because you're kind of asking like, what can we say not to <laughs> not to insult them <laughs> immediately? Um, what about the? Um is it who watches the watchers from season three of TNG? Is it that kind of situation? You know, that if we They're, appear to be too powerful, they'll think we're gods and things like that sort of attitude. Well, you've got no way of predicting yeah, kind that. Of. Um, no. Okay. I, I mean, I get where you're coming from with that comparison. Um, it's it's not like <laughs> you're not completely off base. Uh, there's a bit of a difference in the tech levels, uh, though, for one thing. Um, I think in that episode, the sort of proto Vulcans were kind of bit kind of medieval uh whereas the Jotirans are, are much more advanced than that you know uh, at the time of the mm. expedition they had an active space program and flight and such uh, not as primitive a civilization no. as uh, as that one so the tech broadly analogous to our own yeah uh, roughly kind of 21st century earth sort of equivalent tech uh, but if earth was like a complete theocracy mm -hmm. like the spanish Inquisition and George? Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It, it's very sort of strict. I mean, that's the 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 science um, expedition did say that there was some not deviation, but there's different kind of sex than that. So mm -hmm. okay. Um, but they are all basically kind of one one priesthood, really. But that you know, at different congregations will focus on different things. Okay. But mostly, yeah, a kind of unified sort of thing. The religion is very much a sort of guiding sort of thing in the lives. So probably you would think don't say anything too insulting about their gods or anything like that. <laughs> um, Your god is a lie. Yeah. Only science is real. What's up? <laughs> that, that's, well. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, as I, as I said, there's not really any way you can know how they're going to react when it, when they meet you. But based on the science team's observations, really, mm-hmm. only to show a bit of you know, it, it they're not asking you to be- pretend that you believe the same thing, but don't yeah, don't get yeah. too rowdy. It. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, don't mock their belief system. Just stick Great to the deal. facts of who you are, who we are as the Federation. Yes, mm. might be and the way to try go. Not, yeah, try not yeah. to challenge their preconceptions of life as they know it, because that's what will cause the eruptions, most likely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of this is kind of standard procedure when it comes to first contact stuff, though, as well. Um, not unique to this particular sort of civilization. So the kind of standard operating procedure is to, you know, proceed with caution and be as friendly as you can and display that you're not going to be a threat while still introducing, you know, sort of explaining who who the Federation are and, you know, what you're doing there, basically. There, there are procedures to follow, essentially. Yeah. So the, the basic conclusion that the computer and the previous science team spit out is they think, you know, proceed with caution, but basic first contact procedures should pretty much apply but you've got to take into account that the science team didn't think that this would be happening now um, mm-hmm. they thought it was going to be another maybe century down the line before the deterrence made them the way into you know the wider kind of galactic community so yeah take that with is, a sort is, of consideration <laughs> is there still too much interference to do, to get a uh, tactical scan of the ship of the vessel. You can do that if you like. Yeah. Um, I don't believe anybody's gotten a scan of the vessel yet at all, other than to. I, th- I believe it was it's being tracked at going at about warp one point one, so pretty slow, really. Um, it hasn't left chugging. the system. Yeah, it's <laughs> chugging. I mean, for for a first warp flight, I mean, it's basically it's analogous to Earth's first warp flight, which we mm. see in the movie First Contact. As you know, it's fast for <laughs> us here in the real world. Fast but, your, if you're in it. Yeah. yeah. But if you're watching it go past, it's not that fast. No. <laughs> I mean, the Tenzing comfortably cruises along most of the time at a warp seven or so, but can go up to I'm, nine point nine. I'm literally yeah. thinking of of when Zephyrin Cochran literally turns around and sees like the Enterprise <laughs> gliding <Sweet Jesus>. past. <laughs> I literally just have that image. Yeah. Like, you, you're, but you're not going to have... At the speed that they're going, you're not going to have any trouble overhauling them. Go, you, you can go, essentially... It's, it's a logarithmic scale as well. You can go orders of magnitude mm-hmm. faster than they can. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to do a scan, we can do a scan. Let's, let's yeah. do it. Okay, uh, so if I could get a difficulty one reason science check from you, and uh, oh, well, <laughs> there's your one success for that eleven. Um, if someone else could roll a single d twenty for the ship system sensor science for me as well, uh, aiming for sixteen or under. Okay, cool. Twelve. Oh, yeah, easily done. Okay, I like to split it out. So, like, if somebody's doing a check, we'll have someone else be like, "This is the ship," sort of thing. Um, <laughs> So, no, yes, that is... Uh, well, you got one success on your rolls, and then uh, Eden rolled a 12 for the ship. So that gives us two successes on a, a difficulty one. So you guys get a point of momentum. So I will write one momentum down. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you're able to sort of get a... I mean, the the, the Tenzing is built for 
science and that. So you've got, a, as, as established in the, the previous little story arc, you've got a pretty modern um, beefed up sensor array and everything on here. So getting a, a sort of good look at this ship, even from the distance that you're at, um, which I believe, I believe we'd said if you if you wanted to, you could get to the ship from from your current position in about ten minutes. Um, so it's it's pretty close, really, in terms of the ship's sensors. Really, you're able to see that it's, it's quite a small vessel. Again, going and walk one point one steadily in a straight line away from the Dratiran world. Um, I believe there was a question actually brought up in the, uh, the sort of. Uh, conference room meeting as to whether this was the Dratirans or whether it was someone else. You can't answer that with this scan but as I say you've got that point of origin and speed and it seems to be a straight line away from that planet. No sort of weapons that the computer can determine or anything like that but it just looks to be like a small warp capable vessel maybe a little bit bigger than a um, one of his small shuttles about analogous in size to to a, a, one of the larger runabout types that um, you crashed into a moon that one time <laughs> we didn't crash it it, it crashed you are, you are never going to let that go you're, you're never going to let that go are it's, you? it's a convenient size point of reference yeah. <laughs> anyone crashed it it was the pilot yes I mean, he's currently flying this ship as well, so, I mean, take that with a bit of... Re I don't yeah. know whether that's reassuring or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I mean, it, it. computer's not showing any weapons. It's it's about that size. It seems to have... Um, it's, it's cylindrical. You're not getting an up to, you know, sort of complete technical scan of it from this distance. Mm. Um, just that it seems it's sort of small warp craft about that size is basically what you're getting. No weapons detected as far. No shields either. I'm going to instruct the computer to run a continuous scan on it and update when it ha finds new information. To just keep an eye on it and as we get closer, yeah. you know, keep resolving, essentially. Yeah. Okay, sure. Dr. Irela, did you stay on the bridge or are you... Well, what, what, do you um, what do you want to be doing after this uh, conference room meeting? I rather think Irela will be going to sickbay. Mm -hmm. uh, just making sure that um, any supplies that they might need um, to deal with whatever weaponry this civilization uses. Sure. Whether it's, I think at this point they're probably assuming that it's going to be um, physical projectiles, yeah, bullets, etc. So just making sure that you know everything's close to hand. Hmm. I think that's a safe assumption to make. Um, I don't think that was really brought up in the meeting and that, but they, yeah, this uh, this civilization doesn't have any kind of phaser weaponry or anything like that. Um, so yeah, projectiles would be a a good way of uh, a good uh, good assumption, let's say. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, okay. I guess I don't know if we need to make a check for this. I feel like this would be kind of like a sort of you'd know what to put together in terms of sort of like a. I guess like a triage pack or something. Mm. I mean, you have well, you have triage as one of your focuses anyway, and trauma surgery. I suppose it would kind of go under that as a little bit of sort of that. And you've got field medicine as a talent, so I think you're you're kind of the perfect person to go like, okay, we might if if somebody's hit by a projectile, this is what we'll need. It will yeah, we need sort of I guess like pressure bandages and things like that. I'm not an expert on gunshots myself. 
but I, I could graze anatomy for it if you want. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we get to just ramp up the drama. And the- but to be fair, Irela's really got it actually because she's she's got the trauma surgeon, she's got the field medic, she's basically a mash unit in it in one. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So th- this isn't tough for you. I mean, I suppose you bring are you bringing your nurses in on this and sort of giving them a bit of a heads up of like, okay, we might just get some packs together or something. What's the what's the thinking here? Again, not putting uh, you know. Again, being fairly fairly prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, not not actually not massively concerned because um, it shouldn't be like it won't be that big a, a deal to treat most of these. Um, if it happens, but just being cautious. Yeah, doesn't hurt to be prepared. Yeah. Okay. We, we can say that. I mean, I feel like this is this isn't the longest amount of time here. We're we're kind of the ship is sort of approaching now, so this wasn't going to be like, what are you doing for the next five hours? This was sort of like, what was your immediate thing to be doing? Yeah. So I think, yeah, is I mean, it's a very short um, turbolift ride down from the bridge down to sick bay. And uh, yes, you were you were able to quickly put together just a couple of little kind of like okay, here's some of the things we might need for this. Okay, um, Ray, uh, following the conference room meeting, uh, what what did you do? Did you head back onto the bridge as well? Yeah, Ray. Well, that's where Ray will be at the science station. Mm-hmm. I imagine that Ray would be checking the local area for any further um, any further traces of um, warp disturbance see if there's any more strange activity going on on the approach to the planet okay so sort of looking to see if there was anybody else who might have been setting this off or yeah anything else out there or anything the sensors have missed um that weren't picked up previously sure yeah okay so can i get uh this would be a uh reason science check from you uh this would be difficulty two so 2d20, uh, you're actually aiming for under 17 on that. And again, if somebody else could roll for the uh, sensors, it would be sensors science um, sen- for the for the tending, looking to get under 16 again. Okay, there we go. I got the other one. Okay. Four, 14 and a 9 from me. Okay, so well, you got the two successes then, because you, you have your reason science is pretty ridiculous. Um, 19, so very close to a... Uh, a catastrophic failure there um, by the ship so but that's just a regular failure so um, you got your two successes there um, ship not really a big help here let's let's say narratively then Murphy has um, Murphy's you're both trying to use the same array a little bit <laughs> you're, no, you're, fi- you're fighting for bandwidth I got there first yeah <laughs> um, I mean you're not really yeah, there's plenty of bandwidth really but you just yeah you weren't able to get any extra help from the, the ship there, so no extra momentum on that part. But um, yeah, you, you um, it, it seems pretty empty uh, of ships, really. The, this whole sector, um, the whole system. I mean, um, the only sort of warp disturbances you can detect in the um, in the vicinity um, is this small craft heading away from the uh, the planet, um, because warp signatures do tend to fade over fairly small periods of time so yeah they don't, they don't hang around no it is just it's more like a sort of power sort of surge sort of thing. energy kind of it's never really defined really but i i kind of like it's sort of a way to sort of hand wave it away is it's it's like an energy signature in 
blah blah, blah techno babble subspace <laughs> so, so, how about a subspace energy marker left by the warp trail of that ship yeah something like that that'll do but either you way you can snip that out if you want nah, use that right. for other bits <laughs> uh, either way um, yeah it, I, I would think over the course of a couple of hours it would fade away really and you're not detecting anything other than this ship here right wonderful good thinking though <laughs> no, no, no I mean it's good to rule that out I'm not, I'm not yeah 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 um, no, of course yeah, yeah. Um, okay uh, Johnny you're um, you're having a good time in the bar um, <laughs> what would you like to do um continue that good time until it feels like it's running thin and then head back to the uh, back to home I guess back to quarters back to, yeah back to quarters with Bonch if he's done as well for the day yeah <laughs> I mean it feels yeah. like um, yeah there's not really um, the ship is still at warp you've had no calls from any superiors saying please man any stations um or anything like that so from your point of view um, your the ship is still on course for Deep Space 3 um, you're having a wonderful evening and um, uh, Joe Var sort of he finishes the sort of drink he was having um, well, non-alcoholic I'm assuming as he's a teenager mm -hmm. you, you know you don't want to be a bad influence um, oh, no. unless you do but no no <laughs> <laughs> Murphy frowning in the background no, just no, in the no, background no, of Johnny's brain like <laughs> yeah um, he sort of finishes drinks oh well, this is uh, thanks for showing me around um, this, is, this has been quite a lot well hopefully you enjoyed it and learned a little bit maybe it'll tempt you to join Starfleet I don't know what's on your mind I mean obviously there's been a lot of change recently for you but hey there's a lot out there yeah uh, I've got to uh, I've got a lot to learn <laughs> this is um, I yeah this is like I said this is all new but, um, I should probably get back to my uh, my mum and dad it's, uh, it's, at, at what time is it it's getting I don't I usually tell what time it is by the sun. Um, how, how do you how do you tell what time it is? Around here, you can just ask the computer. So, uh, computer, what time is it? Twenty thirty-seven. There you have it. It is getting late, so yeah, we should get you back to your parents, and then uh, yeah, shall we, Bonge? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been fun. <laughs> good, good to meet you, kid. The three of you uh, leave ten forward, and uh, you're able to. I mean, it's it's fairly quick to get pretty much anywhere on the ship. You're able to return him to the quarters, and um, the uh, the doors answered by his father, William. Ah, uh, there you boys are. You have a good time. Oh yeah, Dad. Uh, we uh, we did a bit of everything. It was uh, it was really good. Yep, I, I gave him a full tour of the ship. Full tour, huh? Well, uh, that sounds like fun. Thanks for looking out for him. Uh, my pleasure. Hopefully he'll get some ideas. I don't know. Well, yeah, you never know. <laughs> there's, uh, there's been a lot of changes already for us the uh, last few days. Uh, sure we're still getting our heads around it. Uh, no doubt, but it's been my pleasure looking after you, son. But it's it's getting on, so we'll leave you to it. And, uh, yeah. Have a good night, boys. Uh, see you later. Good evening. Doors closed. Uh, yeah, Bonge and Johnny will head off back to the quarters um, with Johnny having the intent 
I mean, I guess, I guess as they're going along, Johnny's just going to say, oh, I'm going to uh, relax and uh, do a little meditation when we get back to the uh, quarters. So I'll leave you to whatever you want to get up to. Okay, well, I was just going to catch up on to just have a bit of reading and, uh, yeah, I'll keep it quiet. <laughs> Much appreciated. Uh, so yeah, uh, the two of you uh, return to your quarters on uh, deck nine. Uh, Bonge uh, sort of lies back on his bed and starts reading from a pad uh, intently. And uh, yeah, I guess you get settled in to meditate. Back on the bridge, then uh, the captain um, is sort of instructing the uh, the helmsman. Uh, you all know, is Ensign Soss. All right, Soss. Uh, I want you to drop us out of warp directly in the path of that vessel. One uh, AU of separation, at least. Uh, we want to give them plenty of time to see us. Yes, sir. Dropping out of warp now. The star lines visible on the main view screen uh, tilt suddenly as uh, Sauce maneuvers the Tenzing around to the correct position uh, before resolving into their individual points of light as the ship drops out of warp into the path of the Jotiran ship. I'll stop, Ensign. Aye, sir. All stopped. Uh, Murphy, your updating sensor sweep on the vessel is giving you much more detail now about the ship itself, uh, now that you're much closer. Uh, it appears to be a mostly cylindrical vessel, uh, which comes to a point at the front. It has a pair of small warp nacelles, uh, one on each side of the cylinder itself. And as previously mentioned, the, the ship still isn't detecting any kind of weapons or shields or anything. Uh, a lot of early warp vessels uh, from a variety of different cultures tend to sort of share a similar kind of design mm. as this configuration is well, one of the simpler designs that actually works. Um, however, having grown up on Earth, you can't help but be struck by just how similar this particular vessel is to Zephram Cochrane's Phoenix design. It's a little eerie. Okay. It, 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 as I say, the, these warp vehicles do have a sort of fairly... You know, there's a lot of similar designs, but this one, I don't know, it just kind of strikes you. It's like, oh, this is, this is, this is fairly, this is familiar. <laughs> can I, can I pull it up on the view screen? You can, yes. Um, unannounced or what's the? No, no, I'll, Captain, we've got enough um, of a sensor reading to give us an image. Would you like me to put it on screen? Uh, yes, uh, let's see it. And I put it on screen. Um, so yeah, you bring up the uh, the kind of visual of the uh, oncoming ship on the uh, the main view, view screen, and uh, yeah, again, you're kind of um, feeling that this is a similar design to the uh, the Phoenix um, is sort of reinforced. Now you can sort of see it. You've, it's, would you say Murphy's been to see the Phoenix in um, the Smithsonian? Yeah, her her father was an engineer, so she would have. Yeah. Um, in like memory of him, she'd probably have gone and like tinkered with things yeah i mean you would have gone and had a look at the very least and been like oh let's see how this all started and yeah so yeah you i mean this is again it's not identical it's not you know this isn't a one-to-one copy but you can't help Mm -hmm. but get this vibe of like this looks a lot like this and again she would mention that then she she would mention that to the captain to be like captain am i the only one who notices the similarity no, I uh, I see it too, Commander. That's uh, the Phoenix. Yeah, it took the words out of my mouth, uh, <laughs> Commander Ray. Um, well, that's uh, takes me back. World Dynamics 101 at the Academy. Hmm. Curious. Yeah. Yes, sir. Murphy's going to bring up 
the schematics for the Phoenix and try a probability of how many how much percentage it matches with the the alien, the alien vessel. Okay, um, I think I, we'll, we'll have another check for this because that's it's a cool yeah. thing to do, but I feel like I should have you roll for it. Um, Just huh? like the probability of it, yeah. like how much, how what, how, how, how much percent, how how high a percentage. Give me, the, give me a reason ooh. engineering check. Um, so you're, you're aiming for eleven or under. This is going to be uh, <laughs> two sixes. Six. Oh, yeah, that's that's great. So you get another momentum from that. I was about, I was literally just about to say it's a, you know, it's a um, difficulty one check. So you guys are up to two momentum now. Um, I think Murphy's onto something, though, Captain. It does look way more similar to the Phoenix than it has any right to. There is, I've I've seen the ship many times. It's eerily similar. The result that the computer gives you is that the design of the oncoming ship is an 89% match for the schematics of the Phoenix that you've got on file. Uh, there's some minor structural and aesthetic differences, but the underlying construction is a very close match. I'm going to relay, relay that to the, the captain with like a really, like, this is a bit weird. <laughs> this is really surreal. At this point, your sensors indicate that the ship has dropped out of warp. So are the, the alien vessels now dropped out of warp? It's at a distance of uh, 600,000 kilometers. Pretty close in space terms. Hmm. I'd imagine we've been spotted. Bring us in. 10 kilometer separation, Henson. Aye, sir. Sos uh, slowly brings the Tenzing in closer. Um, you note the distance between the two ships dropping on your sensor display, Murphy. Uh, as he's making the final approach, uh, Ensign Sadler on uh, comms speaks up. Sir, I'm picking up some pretty frantic sounding transmissions from their ship uh, aimed back towards the planet. Put them on. What you hear is uh, a fairly panicked sounding voice. It's You can't determine male or female or anything like that you kind of catch the end of a sentence sort of control we we don't know what it is it's come out of nowhere right in front of us it's got to be the Lodron. they've come to punish us engine will not restart i think oh save us we're done for murphy would like to run a systems check of the vessel is there any are there like is their life support system failing at all or just to make sure that they're not that their engine failure isn't gonna have a knock-on effect sure i think i guess this would be um i guess again another re- reason science again yes with somebody doing the uh, the ship sensors if we could i'll do, I'll do that okay 17 and a 12 um 19. Ship sensors not doing well. Another 19. Um, you got your one success from that. Uh, you, you can't detect any um, failure in life support or anything. It just seems like basically when they dropped out of warp, um, part of the... It, it's not relighting, essentially. The engine is sort of burnt out. and You'd have to get a, a, an engineer to take a look at it. Um, but the computer's first... It throws up some probabilities of, you know... It might be this, it might be this, it might be this, it might be this. Mm. Um, it's possible they've run out of dilithium. It's possible that there's something as sort of, you know, <laughs> this is a fairly primitive design. It was only designed to burn once. It could be any number of things, sort of thing. Mm. Captain, 
Sensors show that their engine has um, stopped working. Reasons unclear. Hmm. Can you put me on with them, Ensign Sadler? Uh, looks like they only have audio capacity, sir. Uh, adjusting to their frequencies now. Okay, uh, you're on, sir. Captain uh, takes a breath, uh, sort of glancing around at all of you. Um, you'd guess maybe he hasn't made first contact with a new species before, so uh, this is maybe a big moment for him. <laughs> Crew of the Deterrent Warp Vessel, this is Captain Harrison Collins of the Federation Starship Tenzing. Are you receiving me? There's a long, long pause uh, before the Deterrent respond. The captain sort of catches um, catches the uh, commander to Lynn's eye and sort of raises an eyebrow. And says, "We're not here to judge you. Uh, we uh, we detected the launch of your ship. Um, it is our custom to reach out to those who are capable of building such vessels and announce ourselves, uh, make contact. Um, I can promise you, we uh, we do not have hostile intentions." It's another pause. And Laldrum? But they think we're their gods. Murphy's got a hunch, and she's going to roll with it. Okay. She is going to search the database for any vessels containing those letters that have gone missing. Ah. Okay, so like Laldrum as a as a name yeah. on a vessel. Okay. As a name, or like within a name of a vessel okay. um, that, has, that may have gone missing. Because the way that he had said you, you, we see the sacred letters on your ship, has me thinking that that, um, that's that's interesting. The Murphy's picked that up. She's just like, I'm just okay. gonna roll with it. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a good hunch. <laughs> um, it takes a little bit of time going through. I mean, there, there's sort of been any number of lost ships over over the year, over the centuries. Really, Starfleet tries to keep on top on top of anyone's. That it knows about, but as you pre previously found out on, um, mm. you know, Jakir Two, the USS Tear had been there for twenty-eight years and was basically forgotten about. Um, so, yeah, the computer doesn't come up with anything immediately with Laldron or anything like that. The science team did say. I mean, you, uh, we, we kind of um, sort of glossed over it a little bit in the. Um, in the sort of briefing but this is this is a well-known thing on there and it's it's in there although the science scene didn't have a full kind of unbroken timeline of their history um as far as they can tell the laudron has been a thing for quite a long time like that is the basis of their whole religion sort of thing this isn't sprung up in the last hundred years or so this is their society's sort of thing so it's it's possible this is just a local name for whatever they consider deities and not based on a thing but you're not getting a um, a ship name with Laldron in it in the missing register. I will say, as as, as previously established, it's not a complete register, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But nothing yeah. immediately comes back from your search. Mm. A little bit disappointed, but she'll move on. That's a good thought. We'll try. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way that you'd said it, and I was like, mm, what? <laughs> Murphy's brain just went, what? Captain. 
I'd like to put forward two suggestions. My previous host um, was present for a first contact many, many years ago. In a situation like this, there are two options, neither of them particularly easy to deal with in the long run, but we don't really have a choice, I think. The first option, if we offer them assistance, we could tractor beam their ship back to their planet, or we could bring their ship on board and reveal our nature, our true nature to them, and then return to planet. Either way, we're going to be seen as these divine Lundren until we can explain ourselves properly. Not a lot of going back at this point, Commander. Uh, we've already announced ourselves as a Federation starship. It's merely the way we handle this now, sir. If we track to their ship back, it's the quickest option, but people on the planet might observe this and it might spread the idea that we are this divine power bringing a ship all the way home. If we beam them on board, we have a chance to kind of brief them first about who we really are. And then we go back to their planet and explain ourselves in a quieter setting without raising too much um, attention for ourselves. Commander Talin kind of cuts in, sort of, not cuts in, but sort of en- enters at this point. She says, I must concur with Lieutenant Commander Ray's assessment, Captain. At this point, our best option may be to bring them aboard and clear up any misunderstandings before returning them to their world. Hmm. I wouldn't mind getting a closer look at their ship while they're aboard. Indeed, sir, that would be interesting to look over. 89% similarity. That's a large percentage. He nods to you and then over to Ensign Sadler. Put me back on. Dratiran crew, uh, we have much to discuss. Um, Our sensors have detected that your engine is non-functional. We'd be happy to provide assistance as a good first step towards opening a dialogue between our peoples. Uh, with your permission, we'd like to bring your vessel on board ours to effect repairs. There's again a, a brief pause before the Traterans respond. As you will, Lord, we shall prepare ourselves. Okay then, uh, we will track your vessel into one of our shuttle bays. Uh, Colin's out. He gestures to uh, Ensign Sadler, who cuts the connection. See, this is going to be a tricky one. Uh, Let's put him in shuttle bay two. Uh, Best to keep it low-key. Murphy, I want you there with uh, one or two of your officers. Uh, Nothing too intimidating, uh, but uh, better safe than sorry. He looks to uh, Commander Carter, who's been sort of lurking at the back of the bridge near to you, Murphy, uh, since the conference room meeting. Carter, if you could put an engineering team together to take a look at their ship when we have a chance. Of course, uh, I'll, I'll rustle up a team. Thank you. He, uh, he taps his comm badge. Collins to Dr. Arela. Uh, I would be obliged if you could meet us in Shuttle Bay 2. Uh, we'll be having some visitors. Understood, Captain. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, see you shortly. Uh, Ray, you haven't been given any orders, so I'm assuming... Stay on the you bridge. You part of the team. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Ray, come down if you want. Yeah. You're not leaving yeah, the ship, I'll... basically, so it's sort of... Yeah, no, yeah. I've got nothing yeah. to do. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the greeting team, sure. I'm going to tap my comm badge and Murphy to Conhart. Uh, Johnny kind of rouses from his meditation and says, I sir? Report to Shuttle Bay 2. We have a first contact situation. I sir. And he excitedly gets to his feet and uh, changes into his outfit, his uh, Starfleet uniform. And uh, yeah, heads down. 
What was Johnny's casual outfit? Just for, you know. Um, hmm. Just for curiosity's sake. Yeah. A lot of those Star Trek outfits. <laughs> like, I think it falls what, what into the he... beige category somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 1980s <laughs> <Was> loungewear. He... <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> was he 80s fashion or 80s myth? Or was he like disco, disco bones from the opening of the <laughs> the motion picture? Um, some um, characters were dressed well, and other characters were really not. <laughs> I think in Johnny's downtime, he might wear something vaguely Bajoran. Okay, like that he's he's brought some clothes from where he grew up, like that. That he's he's got his clothes that he likes to wear. Okay, all right. So yeah, he's changed out of that, and uh, yeah, Starfleet time. I forgot he he grew up in Bajor. At least in their space. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I just wondered what he, like, when you were like he puts his Starfleet uniform on. I was like, first I was like, is he meditating nude? What's going on here? But then, um, <laughs> yeah, we don't, need, we, don't need to, we don't need to put that image in the listeners' heads, do we? Just that and like <laughs> Bond turned against the wall, just slowly crying. Like, why can't? Why does he do this? Like. <laughs> Well, would Bond even necessarily be repulsed or anything? Would he just be like, all right, so you're naked, fine? No, <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd say, like, so you've only got one of those? Well, he used to, put, he used to program the, the Hollow Suites oh, in his dad's casino. I think he's seen more than, uh, more than <laughs> anyone should see. Yeah. Oh, I love the fact you well, say... He wasn't say, naked, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I actually want to ask as well, Johnny, like, as far as you knew, you guys were just on route to... You know, Deep Space Three. You'd had a pleasant evening. Uh, as far as you knew, you were still at warp, and um, all of a sudden, there's all this talk of a first contact situation. Well, what are you thinking? He's just immediately excited. It's it's one of those kind of moments where it's like, yes, this is Starfleet. This is what it's all about. So immediately, like from his sense of peaceful meditation, like that's that's kind of like the perfect thing to snap him out of it. Almost. Fair enough. I just wonder what you're kind of like because yeah it just seems like a bit of a kind of out of nowhere thing to suddenly you know you're kind of en route somewhere and you, as far as you knew even like 20 minutes ago there was no interruption in the the trip and now there's talk of a first contact situation in the shuttle bay um yeah oh it's it's yeah he's excited yeah no fair doubt about yeah it. just wanted to get a look at your uh, your point of view there that's all okay so by um lucky happenstance everybody congregates at the shuttle bay at roughly the same time. It's not a big shuttle bay, like I said, it's, it's not the um, like it's, it's bigger than the squash court, like I said, but it's uh, it, it's kind of empty of any other shuttles at this point, so it's kind of a, a convenient, sort of not too busy place that you can bring the Dratiran ship on board and have it, you know, pretty well sort of isolated if need be from the rest of the uh, the rest of the ship. Um, Doctor, are you coming alone, or are you bringing any uh, any of your staff with you? Um, I'll bring. Uh, I'll probably bring one of the other doctors with me. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case uh, we need to start like triaging people. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, most of the medical staff is actually currently still at Mavala's party on Holodeck 2, uh, but the on-duty doctor is uh, Dr. Molvon, who is a Benzite, and uh, yeah, you're able to bring them along with you. 
There's actually a pretty decent-sized crowd at the shuttle bay uh, right now. Uh, you've got uh, Captain Collins, Ray, Murphy, and Carter uh, coming straight down from the bridge. Uh, you got Connor arriving from his quarters uh, on his own. Uh, Doctors Arela and Mulvon from Sick Bay, and uh, there's also a small three-person team of engineers uh, coming up to meet Carter. Uh, as you will congregate in the in the shuttle bay itself, uh, the officer on duty uh, raises the doors, um, and you can see the Dratiran ship being guided in by the tractor beam. Uh, Murphy was going to suggest that maybe the engineering team hangs back for now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just because they, they, we maybe don't want to overwhelm them with the amount of people and only have, like, the core um, captain, security, medical team. Yeah, makes sense. Just there. Sure thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, Carter nods at your suggestion and uh, he and his team head on up to the upper level of the uh, shuttle bay, kind of out of the way on the sort of observation kind of catwalk up there uh, and the bay's sort of little control room. Um, Carter joining the uh, operations officer who is, is in there uh, working the tractor beam controls. And uh, as you watch, the um, the Dratiran ship is brought into the bay um, by a tractor beam. It does take up a good most of the bay to be honest it's not a not the smallest of ships as i said it's about the size maybe maybe now that you're you're closer you get a bit of a better look it's a little bit longer than a, a sort of regular uh, runabout but yeah you're again immediately struck now that you're sort of up close um how much it looks like this the uh, the original sort of phoenix again there's some design differences uh, aesthetically um i should say but in terms of the kind of same basic structure of it, it is. It looks like it's a sort of cylinder that comes to a point at the at the front. There is some viewports along that front bit, which looks like to be where the cockpit is, and there are a pair of, again, different aesthetically slightly, but pretty much in the same position, warp nacelles on either side of it. Um, it is brought into the bay and set down fairly lightly onto the uh, onto the deck plating. By a tract beam, and then the the outer door begins to close behind it. As the warp ship uh, comes to rest on the deck, uh, the captain just briefly turns to all of you. All right, here we go. Friendly faces, everyone. He steps forward towards the craft, and uh, as he does, a hatch on the side opens tentatively. Uh, nervously, a pair of heads appear, peeking out of the hatch. Shortly, however, they the craft's crew fully reveal themselves. Stepping down uh, onto the shuttle bay uh, deck plating are a pair of Deterans. Uh, they're roughly five feet in height, and they're wearing sort of pretty nondescript kind of um, brown flight suits. They are, uh, as expected from the briefing, uh, they have grey skin, um, they have a pattern of red dots uh, ringing their eyes, uh, which you would remember are sort of sensory, um, secondary sensory organs that help them sort of see a little, a little bit into the infrared spectrum. Uh, they've both got white hair uh, tied back into short ponytails away from their faces. Uh, Arela, you can immediately sense their concern and uh, trepidation. Uh, you're feeling a quite heightened sort of sense of nervousness and fear from them, uh, but no aggression. That's good. I'm not even going to need you to roll for this. This is because they're making no attempt to hide any of this. It's like to an, an empath like you, this is coming off them like, like 
in waves kind of thing. They yeah, are, nice. yeah, they are fairly scared right now. The captain, uh, smiling, steps forward. Welcome aboard the Tenzing. I'm, uh, I'm Captain Collins. It's good to meet you. The pair briefly stare up at Collins in awe, before wordlessly dropping to their knees, bowing down before him and all of you in complete reverence and worship. that's going to do it for this episode uh, we'll be back in two weeks time with the continuation of this story on Thursday the 3rd of February and we hope you'll all join us for that uh, in the meantime head to pretendingwithdice.com for links to all of our socials our discord server ko-fi page and more uh, yeah we hope to see you all on there uh, so for now that's our show we hope you all enjoyed it we'll see you next time